1: It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, June 21st, 2011. Doing something different today. I'm going to show off my irrelevance. (laughs) I'm going to highlight my complete um, abject inability to be with the times thank you for tuning in you're listening to fighting for the faith my name is chris rosebrough and i am your servant in jesus christ and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and to help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we do the comparative work. Now, <laughs> this is welcome to our mission to Mars uh, episode of fighting for the faith. And the reason I say that is is because um, when I tell when I talk to, uh, to Christians today about the liturgy, when I talk to Christians today about uh, a structured service that is designed uh, in order to uh, highlight what God has done for us and uh, and brings you the gospel month after month, week after week, year after year in word and sacrament. And I, and, and I tell you that I actually believe from the bottom of my heart and from personal experience, having experienced all kinds of different liturgies out there, that I have yet to run across uh, a liturgy that is stronger and more capable of making sound biblical disciples than the historic liturgy. Now, I understand that this is one of those things that falls into the category of adiaphora. What I mean by that is is that this is not commanded and or forbidden in Scripture. So we're talking about something where there's freedom. I understand that. My argument here is uh, it has nothing to do with something I'm going to say, ah, you have to do it this way or else. No, no, that's not it at all. Instead, what I'm going to basically do is I'm going to be in this episode of Fighting for the Faith. Earlier, I recorded a, a, a interview, an in-studio interview with a cantor, Phil Lehman. He's a, a, an organist and cantor at one of the local confessional uh, Lutheran congregations in the greater Indianapolis area. And uh, Phil and I, uh, we went, we walked through uh, the the liturgy, Divine Service One, um, you know, that's found in the Lutheran hymnal. And basically deconstructed it so you can see what it's all about, what it does, why it benefits Christians and how it delivers on um, on basically pointing you to Christ and him crucified for our sins in basically in word and sacrament. the whole uh, the whole th- uh, philosophy behind it, it's not even a philosophy, but the the, the worship theology that's behind it and uh and why i think that this is a superior um superior vehicle for christian discipleship and doing church there's so many benefits to this uh to the uh, to the historic liturgy it, it, by way of depth by way of reverence by way of protecting you from bad pastors that it it really is worth uh exploring it. And so uh, many of you who've grown up in American evangelicalism are not even familiar with the fact that historically this is how churches have done church for the better part of 2000 years. Um that the the way you're that you're probably doing church in your American evangelical congregation um, is really new and foreign, and these are bizarre innovations that uh, I would basically make the case that um, that they don 't deliver on giving us a better vehicle for discipleship uh, uh, but rather impede the goals uh, of the, the goal of discipleship and the need for preaching the full counsel of the word of god but anyway. So I understand that this is gonna be you know, this another one of those mission to Mars things what I'm gonna be describing for many of you is gonna sound foreign it's gonna sound Roman Catholic it's neither um, but uh, but something that I would like you to consider and uh, and consider the merits of it on its face um, and and you know ask yourself is is uh, your church is the way they do church they have a liturgy is, is your church's liturgy actually doing the job you know accomplishing the mission that Christ sent the church on to make disciples proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus name uh teach the full counsel of the word of god so all things to consider so what we're going to do is is I'm going to uh, start up the uh, uh the conversation with uh Phil Layman uh I'll, I'll pause somewhere in middle-ish of this thing to pay some bills, and we'll come back without any further uh, commercial interruption. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. Again, I understand this is you know, this is one of those crazy things that I do from time to time, but take the time to listen to it. Take the time to evaluate what it is that we're saying and, and learn what this liturgy is about and why it's structured the way it is and why it does the things that it does. And uh, I think you will be surprised— um, that this is not just some mindless thing that was put together, but it was put together, um, you know, in the course of Christian history, uh, each part having a very specific function, and uh, and that it does what it's supposed to do very very well. Um, and uh, anyway, so here is my uh, conversation with uh, Phil Layman. All right, in studio with me, I have Cantor Phil Layman. He is uh, an organist who plays at one of the local confessional uh, Lutheran congregations in and around Indianapolis. And uh, Cantor Layman, Phil, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. All right, we're going to talk about Lutheran liturgy and try to pull this apart and talk about okay, what is this whole thing about? Okay, I've got my hymnal with me. You've got your hymnal. We've yes. got we've got some samples from Divine Service setting one and uh, it's 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 an odd topic for you know to be discussing on an apologetics program but i think there's there's good reason for it
2: i think it goes back to a statement that we've used in the church for a long time i'm going to throw a couple latin words out here lex lex credendi okay
1: now this is a great topic lex lex credendi the law of prayer is the law of belief or correct okay so, to put it in simple terms, uh, one of the things I've noticed is that what people pray is what they end up believing, and um, and this is this is the basic concept behind lex orandi, lex credendi. Is as so, you know, when you go to church, the things you sing, the things you repeat, the things you do over and over again get embedded on a deep level that impacts what you ultimately believe, teach, and confess about God. Correct. And you do this not only in church, but throughout the week as you live your daily life and vocation in the community. To, to put it in computer programming terms, um, garbage in, garbage out. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's basically the the idea. Garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. Good prayer, good hymns, good songs, good lyrics. You know, things that focus you on Christ. You have a Christ-centered belief. If you have a me-centered a uh, bunch of mystical songs then you ultimately become a me-centered mystical Christian
2: right or if it's only you're only there to be entertained uh, and have a show put on for you then it's just for the time being and you're gone
3: right
1: well you're right and so one of the things I you know I I've come out of uh American evangelicalism I was a Nazarene uh you know throughout uh high school you come out of the independent fundamentalist baptist I do Okay. So you you're a uh, you know trained Bob Jones guy. I am.
2: Okay. Uh, my 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 parents went to Bob Jones. Uh, my dad pastors a small independent Fundamental Baptist church. Uh-huh. Um I was active in the music program growing up and through things that way, uh trained at their institution. Um and got out of that, um worked in uh some large evangelical churches, Uh and then found my way to
1: Lutheranism. Right. Well, yeah, I feel like I was dragged kicking and screaming (laughs) into Lutheranism. But one of the things I've noticed about Lutheranism, that its concept of worship is 180 degrees backwards than the worship that I experienced in the Nazarene church and in American evangelicalism. And let me explain, see if it's similar for you in the independent fundamentalist Baptist movement is is that when you show up, the movement is from the person to God. It, it's uh, it's this idea that, that worship begins with a sacrifice of praise on the part of the believer, and then God responds to the Holy Spirit, responds, you know, whatever. But in Lutheran, in, in the Lutheran understanding of worship, uh, God is the first mover. God, it, it begins with God, the divine service, it, it, it's... It's really kind of a bad... It's English, it doesn't work well. The goddess deince, the, the divine service... The idea is, is that God moves first, and then our response to his moving is uh, worship
2: and It thanks. is, And it's not just our response to God's worship. We respond with the words that he gives us to respond with. Right. So it's not something we're coming up with on our own, but we're using the words that he gave us to give back to him in response to... Ultimately,
1: the good gift, the forgiveness of sins. Right. And and we receive the forgiveness of sins in multiple ways throughout the service and in, in the divine service. And so God is the primary actor, the primary mover. And the idea behind it is, is that God doesn't need anything from us. God, being a perfect, self-sustained being uh, and being eternal, he needs absolutely nothing from us, but we need absolutely everything from him. We do. And so uh when somebody comes into a confessional Lutheran congregation um if they've spent any time in in evangelicalism or whatever they're it, it throws them it does and the first thing you're going to notice is
2: it's a structured service yeah now American evangelicalism and the services that you find
1: there they're structured yeah they're, in fact they're they're highly structured right Okay, and so when we talk about one of the when people talk about liturgy, they talk about, you know, well, this is too rigid. This is too structured. But I find in in the seeker driven churches uh, and in general evangelical churches, there's there's a rigid structure to them, too. You begin with a 15 to 20 minute long rock and roll concert and then a guy comes out and makes announcements. And then you go back into another worship set, and the and the next worship set uh, is more of uh, you know the mystical you know kind of you know the spirits moving kind of stuff, and, and then the and then the pastor comes out and he gives a, a sermon, and then you either, and then you end off with you know with a closing song that has something to do with the theme of the uh, of the sermon. But it, you go to church every single Sunday, it's the same exact structure, same exact flow, same exact everything. And so I find it interesting that American evangelicals, when they come into a Lutheran church, they'll go, oh, that's structured, that's rigid. and But it's, it's no less rigid than their structure. No, not at all. And, and the other thing they'll accuse us of,
2: well, you're using rote prayers or, or something that way. Excuse me if you've been in those services. How many rote things have you heard there? <laughs> right. Well,
1: <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but the Lord's Prayer, it, do we not know that by rote memory? We do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so funny. I think the, the, you know, the, I've think i run into people like this, and they sit there and go, well, your prayers don't leave room for the Spirit to move. And my response is, where in the Bible does it say that I have to leave room for the Spirit to move when I pray? In fact, I find structured prayers to actually be very beneficial. And many times the prayers that we you know, we have that are structured, they're coming straight out of the Psalms anyway. You want to learn how to pray? Pray the Psalms. And
2: speaking of the Psalms, that's the Bible's songbook. Right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we've got words that have been used for generations and generations. In fact, Psalm 78 talks about uh, teaching these things from one generation to the next and passing it on that way. You know, so it's it's part of our our heritage right now i think
1: there's a lot of benefits to a good liturgy every church has a liturgy every church every church service has a structure every church that you go to has a structure and so the question is not whether or not it's structured or unstructured because there's no such thing as an unstructured worship service unless you're, like, a Quaker. Right. You know, then you just sit around and wait for the Spirit to move, you know. But that's, a, you know, those are a particular type of Quaker. But, you know, in, in, in every church, you know, re- regardless of whether it's seeker-driven or uh, high church liturgical, there's a structure to it. So the question then comes down to what is good structure when it comes to a service and and what's the basic thinking behind it, okay, in a Lutheran service or divine service, you're going to find two
2: main parts that are, I guess you could say, the tent poles that okay. are, are going to hold of it. Um, one is the service of the word, and the other is the service of the table. Right. And in those parts, there are some high points in each one of those that we recognize as what's going on. And again, it's it's where God's acting, and spe- particularly where God is speaking to us through Jesus Christ. Right. Um, and then around that we have other things that fit into that, that that lead up to these high points, and then uh, pull us back. Um,
1: right now with the new hymnal, the one of the things I was uh, was excited to see in the new hymnal is is that each of the different pieces of the liturgy, uh, it gives you the biblical references for you know what where where is this these words coming from? It's 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 definitely there in this in you know it it's grounded in the in God's word.
2: And these, this actually, the references in the hymnal where the, everyone in the congregation could see it, it was new with this hymnal. But it's, it wasn't something that this committee just put together right. for the hymnal. This goes back, really, and our liturgy is rooted in the fourth century, is where we have actual documented things. But we pretty much learned through uh, historical research that it goes back even older than that. And some of this even has structure back into the Old Testament um, temple practices and things that way. Right
1: now, C.S. Lewis in his book Letters to Malcolm, he he talks about uh, one of the th- one of the wonderful things about the liturgy is that it, it's it's like a good old worn shoe, you know. It it's faithful. It's there. You hardly even notice it after you've gotten used to it. And but it provides it, it it provides its services to you very well, and I think the liturgy is really good in that way. And a good structured liturgy, as opposed to kind of a, a not so good, is that you have the main elements that you know it begins with God and our response. There's good hymnity that, or, or or you know, uh, spiritual songs, if you would, that uh, that have doctrinal depth to them that are keyed into uh, whatever the the passages are that you're that are that make up. The uh, what's going to be make a make up the, the the word, um, and then you've got a, the sermon, and then the thing I like about it is is that you know in, you know right after the sermon, then you also have the uh, you, one of the creeds, uh, and the nice thing is is that you know I have heard good confessional guys say it's important to have the creed either right before or right after the sermon so that you can compare what the pastor said to uh that creed. Did you hear the 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 the, the you know the Catholic faith? confessed in the sermon and i mean catholic with a small c which kind of leads to the next big problem is is that people who are are, who are not familiar with this type of structure many times they accuse us of being roman catholic they accuse us of being roman catholic but this is how the church started out
2: um in in the third century there weren't multiple denominations or churches or things like that there there was one as the creed calls it, Holy Catholic Church, um, or universal as we understand that, or um, our confession even talks about as being the Holy Christian Church. Right. Um, So when you're gathered together in that part, we're using the same structure. Um, Then as Luther gets to the Reformation, he basically kept what was there um, as a conservator type of thing, and threw out some of the additions that had been added by the Roman church in the middle ages the the the, the Roman Catholic innovations correct okay um and basically all other branches of Christendom are are based on that type of a pattern along the way right Um, uh, even the the free church type of worship has its roots back in the ancient um early church um they just often don't want
1: to admit it at times that that's where it's coming from. Right now, one of the things you know the the, the call of, you know the, the mission call of uh, of the gospel you know in Matthew twenty eight is to go and make disciples. And coming back to lex orendi, lex credendi, the law of uh, prayer is the law of belief. Um, with with a good structured service, with a good with good hymnity, with good songs, good confession, it actually provides a backbone. And and reinforces good biblical Christ-centered discipleship. So if you have if you have hymns that are are point are, are, you're confessing good doctrine that centers on Christ and stuff like that, it provides a really good way to buttress and build up someone's uh, someone's faith and point in pointing them to Christ. Whereas where that backbone doesn't exist, I mean, people kind of you know their beliefs start to wander all over the place and it also is something
2: that we hold with the church not only around the world but throughout time right so it's not something i'm just coming in today and this is my confession at the moment or my testimony at the moment right yeah but this is something i'm holding with those who have gone before me and those who are going to come after me
1: right uh, gk chesterton in his book on orthodoxy talks about the fact that uh, you know the you know in tradition we give we give a vote to the dead and i think there's something to be said about that because i i i what what i find is is in those congregations where there isn't a historic liturgy where that uh you know you're not singing stuff that you know that has been written and, and and contributed from all generations throughout the church's history uh you lose that sense of of, of this idea that christianity is is millennia old and it and it actually goes back into Judaism, you know, know, and the the church was in, you know, in Judaism in the Old Testament, and, you know, and then comes forth uh, proclaiming, you know, Christ and him crucified for our sins for the last 2,000 years. But what happens is, is that without good hymns, without a a structured service, without uh, confessions that are older than uh, something I banged out on my word processor last week, Christianity, it, it, it creates the illusion that Christianity began when somebody became a Christian, and uh, whereas in in this way of doing church, you have a sense of the historicity and the depth and you can see the contributions of Christians made throughout the entire history of the church, which then takes away and strips away that false notion that, you know, uh, well, you know, Christianity began, you know, when I made a decision for Jesus last week at the local camp meeting put on by Charles Finney. True. Well, the other thing a good liturgy also
2: does for us in connecting that, it also gives us. The whole of the Christian belief in that one service right um that the but the creed um and as we walk through this we're going to see that every week we cover everything in the life of christ mm-hmm. it's in an outline form, but it's there, and it always kind of brings us back to the center of why we 're there right. it's for Jesus christ it's not like a decision that happened one time in the past, and I've moved on from it. And going that way, but each week I'm brought back to that, um, reminded at the beginning of the creed. You know, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. Uh, so we have creation. Right. Um, we're reminded at times of the children of Israel and their um, as they leave through uh, the Red Sea, um, uh, through the prophets, and then um, the center of our faith, um, the story of Christ right. and the the church. In its service and its whole gathering through the year, it gathers around Jesus Christ. And this is Christian worship. Right. This is not just theocentric worship or God worship. Right. That, that we can put out there for anybody in the world that could say, um, yes, I believe in God and I, I believe that we're supposed to be good people. Right. Things like that. This is about Jesus Christ and ultimately about Jesus Christ dying for us so that we can have the forgiveness of sins.
1: You know, one, you, you make a good point, and, and that is this, is that there, um, if a Mormon were to come visit our congregation, a Mormon could not in good conscience say and do the things that we're doing and, you know, and saying in, in, our, in our church service. There's, uh, our Trinitarian Christ-centered doctrine puts the brakes on their false doctrine immediately. And on top of it, one of the things I've noticed is is that uh, there's no room for self righteousness in a congregation where people every single Sunday have to get on their knees and have the pastor say, "Take eat, this is the body of Christ broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take drink, this is the blood of Christ in the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of sins." Every you know, that's the nice thing is is that we you know. It's going to be really tough for somebody to make the the claim to be a holy roller in our congregation because I can just say, well, I just saw you on your knees over there, you know, receiving, you know, Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. So don't tell me that you're a holy roller or that you're holier than I. It, it levels all of us. Now. It it does. It levels us. But as I've come to this, that's one of the treasures that's
2: there right. that I can hear regularly each week. I've died for you. Right. Your sins are forgiven. Yep. It's not something that I have to think that I know about or feel that I know about. I've got a tangible way
1: yeah. each week that I know that it's there. Well, one of the things I tell people is is the forgiveness of sins tastes like really cheap wine and, and, a, and a really weird Frisbee disc wafer thing. <laughs> you go, well, the forgiveness of sins, what? It tastes like what? <laughs> well, and that's kind of the idea is is that God's given us, you know, Christ has given us tangible ways we hear the forgiveness of sins stuck into our ears we hear we taste the forgiveness of sins every sunday when we take the lord's supper and and the whole service is structured in a way that you can't leave there without without hearing something from the old testament without hearing something from the prophets without hearing a clear gospel text and what it means and the nice thing about the lectionary then the lectionary is the piece where every single sunday the the, the biblical texts are assigned the pastor doesn't get to, um, you know, do a a sex sermon series. He doesn't get to do a sermon series on on good parenting. He doesn't get to do a sermon series where he beats you over the head and tells you that you have to get out of debt so that you can tithe more. None of that stuff. The texts are assigned to him, and the latest movies don't fit in there and, at all yeah, either. Yeah, we don't we don't have to worry about a Star Wars movie, a, a sermon, or anything like that. Or we and you know, in, in other words, uh, your church doesn't turn into the latest episode of Pimp My Theology. <laughs> instead it's it's sound and sober and there's a rhythm to it so that in the in the in the church service itself you have the entire story of Christ you know in in many form but in, over the course of the entire year you hit all the major portions of the life of Christ in the gospel text including at the end of the church year uh three weeks on on the end of the world correct you know so you 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 get the the birth of Christ you get the you know Christ's conception you get Christ's uh, death and resurrection you get Christ's teaching on the church you, and then you get the end of the world for three weeks you know so you, you, every single year you will go through this track you get all of the major major pieces of theology and the creed explained in detail from the biblical texts um, and the nice thing about this structure is it protects you from bad pastors. You know. Yes, the, <laughs> um,
2: we're, we're recording this in the summertime, and we're at the time of the year where we've just celebrated the Ascension. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Pentecost, and then in the church year we follow that with Trinity Sunday. Right. Um, talk about thinking full theology right here, right. and things that
1: way. Uh, this isn't just me and Jesus time, <laughs> it, right? It, it, you know, so I I don't have to. You know, I'm not trying to ca- you know catch the the latest. Emanations of the spirit, you know, that are fl- supposedly floating and wafting around, you know, just above my head, you know, in 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 the church. Instead, I'm brought to the Word of God, and it's handled in a in a clear, sober way, whereby my faith is strengthened, and 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 the faith of everybody is strengthened. I come as a sinner, and I come to receive God's gift of His Word and the Body and Blood of Christ and over the course of, of an entire year you get the whole drama you get all of the big major pieces of christian theology done at a pace where you can get some of the depth of it and it it and then you do the whole thing over again
2: and it's it's like a parade we we get to step into it each time we walk in now, there... Now, be careful. We, it's, it's not a parade in the sense where, you know, hey, look at me, you nah, know, nah, no, nah, nah, nah. no, no, not that. But <laughs> I mean, it's a parade in the sense of time. Okay. That it's a continuous march that's going on. And even though we may not be there one particular Sunday, that parade continues to step on. It right. continues to, to carry on that. And we know that at the time that we're in it for these few weeks, that there are people that have gone on before us.
0: And right. it's going to go on after
2: us. Right. And they're going to keep hearing... These same scripture lessons about um, Christ feeding 5,000, Christ gathering fish, um, Christ um, dying on the cross, um, uh, uh, sending his disciples, um, leaving us but promising us that he's going to send us a comforter. Right. Um, All of this stuff we we get to come back to again and again. And it's easy for us at times to forget um, but we need to be reminded and yeah. this kind of keeps us on, and this wasn't something that um you know a, a few people sat around you know 20 years ago and put together to do the church has be, always had a practice of reading the scriptures in fact um uh if we look back and uh it's in Luke's gospel where Christ goes into uh the synagogue mm-hmm. to read um uh, he's handed the scroll, right, and opens it to the point that is appointed for that day. Exactly. Um, so he's, it's been part of you know, Christ is actually in a sense uh, agreeing with this, right? Um, uh, I was at a friend's house last evening, and he showed me a facsimile copy of a 1611 King James Bible. Okay. And at the opening of that, it actually had a lectionary
0: wow. to yeah. to
2: use um, for things that way, and things pointed out for the Sunday. So. Um, it's not the kind of thing that you can just say, um, I, I, I want to preach on John 3, 16, um, four weeks, and um, I'll, right. I'll pick Psalm 23 here, and um, here's a neat passage that I can pull out of the end of
1: Revelation. Or my daughter said something really cute that made me think about something about God, so I'm going to preach about that and use her as a sermon illustration this week. But what's interesting, though, is is that you know one of the things I, I talk to people about and say on my program regularly is is the need for for pastors to preach the full counsel of the Word of God, and when and the 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 here in the liturgy we've you know and the the way the church year is structured the way the church service is structured every year we full, we we go through the full counsel of the Word of God. It's not it's not there's nothing missed right as as far as the big block theological categories and um and those who don't like it, my question for them is is that how is what the seeker driven churches or what's happening in in these so called you know freeform churches actually accomplishing the task? How is that better then if you want to have an innovation, the innovation needs to be towards improving. The overall mission of what the pastor and the congregation needs to be doing year after year after year, rather than pulling it back. Because I can tell you this as somebody who's been a, a close critic of the seeker-driven movement, I, we're, we only get a smattering of verses, and there's only particular there's a small set of particular verses that they work through year after year after year, and they have to do with parenting, finances, movies um you know uh, you know better sex life uh, finding your purpose living the abundant life and stuff like that and it's the same it's the same out of context versus year after year after year after year and at the end of it you 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 can't even say that you begin to even know what the full counsel of the word of god is and they claim that you're supposed to pick up that information in a small group study by somebody who isn't even trained to be a pastor anyway a lot of a lot of these uh, churches the the big mega churches uh, the only real requirement for somebody to be a small group leader is, is they have to claim that they've had a, a, a conversion experience, and they have to be breathing, you know. And and then it's and then a lot of times it's sitting down and it's a pooling of ignorance, you know. What does this verse mean to you? Well, it means uh, it means bunnies and and uh, and Bambi. I don't know, you know. But do you understand what I'm saying? And in, yes. in this in this way of doing church, which is the way the church has been doing it from the beginning, the full counsel of the Word of God. Is 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 literally all the, the all the broad vistas and sweeps and even a lot of the nuances are taken care of, addressed, uh, preached, and the texts are are read and 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 listened to and understood. Year after year after year after year, full counsel of the word of God, you don't get a couple of verses out of context here and there to make your life, you know, to be relevant to your life. This is about making disciples. This is about making Christians. This is about confessing what the church has confessed the whole time, singing the great hymns that confess the great doctrines of the faith. So you get it. In the liturgy, you get it in the hymnody, you get it in the lectionary, you get it from the pulpit, and then you get it in microform in the creeds that you confess, and and that you keep doing it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And the one thing I've noticed is that this w- way of doing church, the way the church has always done it, really um, gets rid of um, – it's not very appealing to somebody who wants to put their piety on parade because there's no place to put it on parade. No. <laughs> you know, you know. didn't you just confess your sins? yes. Well, don't sit there and tell me you're better than me.
2: But when we have to stand behind the cross, yeah, you know, then we we get stripped of everything
1: else that's that's there, um, right? All right, let's let's I I have a hymnal here. You have your hymnal. Let's let's kind of walk through, you know, just the 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 divine service setting one. We'll even pick up some of the uh, some of the uh, the tunes from it as well, and uh, and work our way through this. So divine service setting one, um. It begins in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's very important. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't begin in the name of some generic deity. No. It actually and so it, it, it the pastor says in the you know in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and our response is amen. amen. The, these are the words that were put on us in baptism. Right. So this it's, is Matthew 28, go and make disciples of th- all nations, this is, baptizing them in the name, singular name, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Th- this is calling us out, but
2: also this, this is the impremise of the one who is leading us, our pastor. Mm-hmm. that says, I am not doing this by me. I am representing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one true God. Right. And everything we do here is... About him,
1: it begins in the it, it, in the invocation of the name of the one triune God that you know, which basically at this point excludes theism, excludes Mormonism, excludes the Jehovah's Witnesses, excludes Judaism, Islam, or whatever. We 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 begin by invoking the name of the one true God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, okay, which is important. I mean, I, what's interesting is is that. You know, in, in a lot of these uh, churches that follow kind of the the squishy you know mysticism type of worship uh, the doctrine of the trinity is being attacked it's yes. being questioned and here we begin in the name of the triune god which is important okay and so then it begins with, then we immediately move into a confession of sins where uh, pastor says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us and okay. We respond, uh-huh. and we respond by saying, "But if we, we confess, confess our sins, sins, God, who is faithful and just, just will we'll forgive our sins and cleanse we'll us, from us from all unrighteousness." Right. So that and that's straight out of First John chapter one, verses eight right. and nine. So then we confess our sins, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. That now there goes the. I mean, there's just no room for self righteousness at this point because you come to our church, you have to confess you're a sinner.
2: I'm going to interject two things here. Um, first of all, this is a corporate confession that we did. Right. So this covers, a, as we go through this text, maybe I didn't do that this week, but my neighbor did. And, <laughs> and I'm confessing you know, on his behalf as well. Right. The other thing that, that I need to say, the confession and absolution part of our service um, is part of the thing that has been, in a sense, moved to this location here. At one time, this took place— Separately, in the pastor's office. Yeah, private, um, private so, absolution. Um, uh, together, and things. Like, but it's important that we confess publicly and together. Right. That it's a corporate thing. That that like I can't get off the fact that you know when I read the newspaper and I saw those things that were happening, you know, I can't say I didn't kill anybody. I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm just
1: as guilty as that. Right. Um, and the one thing I, one of the things that struck me coming out of evangelicalism, I and it it just irked me to no end. I was really uncomfortable with this, is that right off the bat I'm not confessing specific sins against the Ten Commandments. I'm confessing that by nature I'm a sinner. Yes, <laughs> it, my my being. Yeah that and and so you know when and this is really what we get at when we talk about the real purpose of the law the purpose of the law is not just to nail us on individual sins that we might have committed those are all fruit of the problem and the problem is is that we are by nature sinners and so um and then it comes out uh we have sinned against you the triune god in thought word and deed by what we've done what we've left undone pronounces absolution almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you. And for his sake forgives you all of your sins. So we, so at that point we receive the forgiveness of these sins that we've corporately confessed. And so it begins in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. We confess so So I like to picture it as, as every Sunday I'm bringing a big trunk, you know, and I mean, and the trunk is huge. I mean, dragging it into church. And I'm, I'm at this point, God's taking the trunk because in the trunk, It's all my junk. Oh, I sound like Ed Young. i got to stop doing that. (laughs) I've been swaggerified. But but all of my sins are in that trunk, and God lifts that away and says, my son has bled and died for this. Your sins are forgiven, all of them. And it's not that he just takes the stuff out of the trunk. He takes the trunk, too. Right. Yep. Um,
2: As we're going through this, listen for a word um, that's going to happen along the way. Sometimes you'll hear it outright. But the word is peace. yeah. And that's kind of, this is God serving us. And he's going to remind us that he is at peace with us Mm -hmm. throughout this. And we're going to hear this or see this through other things that we're going to see along the way. Right. But um, we just had this in what we confessed. um, uh, uh, Have mercy on us, forgive us and renew us. Mm -hmm. And then um, we hear those words. God has had mercy on us that he sent his son to die for you. Right. Right.
1: And so, I mean, right at the front. Boom! I'm confronted with my sins, and I'm comforted with the forgiveness of sins, and Christ shed blood for me for my sins. So it, the the whole flow, the whole focus of of this of this service is it centers in on Christ and Him crucified, and it's not just it, 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 it's not just some bizarre idea about why Jesus was crucified. It, it, Brian McLaren couldn't. Come to my church and feel comfortable. The reason why is because he'd have to confess that he's a sinner, and he'd have to hear that Christ bled and died for his sins. So even penal substitutionary or the vicarious substitutionary atonement of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins—not so that he can demonstrate the evils of the Roman Empire or any weird stuff like that, or he can show us, but you know, demonstrate to us that he loved us this much and stretched out his arms and died for us. It's none of that. It's for the Forgiveness of your sins, and it's right up front, right at the very beginning, right there in the first part of the service. You are, boom, law, gospel, sin, grace, repentance, and the forgiveness of sins, right there in the beginning of the service. And remember, it's God that's doing
2: all this, right? It's it's not something that you've done. It's not a decision you've made, right? But God is reaching down and giving us the forgiveness of sins, right? And doing this. And I, I got to tell
1: you, one of the things you know over the years i've come to look forward to and rely just on the opening part portion of our service and and uh i've been in congregations where if there's a baptism on a particular sunday somehow the confession and absolution gets skipped and i i feel like some, i've missed out on something you know i i love seeing the baptisms but if 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 after the baptism we don't start here with the forgiveness of sins i feel like you know I I need every Sunday, you know, to reflect in my mind and, and meditate on God's law and look to those things that I have, where I've committed sins against God and reflect on my own sinful nature. And I need to hear that my sins are forgiven, that, you know, and the pastor standing in the stead of Christ is declaring and, and forgiving my sins. And it's not him that's doing it. It's Christ who's doing it. Okay. And without this, I mean, I I, I actually feel the, the empty. Yes. Does that does that I, make I, sense?
2: I've been been in that same situation right. where where you feel that, or if I've uh, been on vacation for a week or something, and some service doesn't have that, mm-hmm. um, or they may have a form of this, but um, they don't really offer the absolution. Right. Um, then then you feel like. I've only gone part of the way, right?
1: And I haven't. God hasn't served me here, right? And this is kind of one of the evils of like you know Roman Catholicism. I mean, even if you go to private confession, at the end of it, you're you're told to to do ten Hail Marys and do this or do that, and it's like, um, okay, (laughs) um, am I forgiven? (laughs) You know, or or am I only forgiven after I say the ten Hail Marys? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying, right? Okay, we are going to pause this conversation right there. Um, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so at my email address, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. Like what not to wear for theology. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. High Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some. <laughs> Rah!
3: You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. It's... Marty Python's Flying Circus Church.
4: Welcome to build god How can I help you?
3: Hi, i got this build god certificate from a fellow co-worker, and I came to check it out.
4: Oh, that's nice of your friend. You must be excited.
3: Well, uh, what exactly are we doing here?
4: Oh, you silly man. We're building your very own deity.
3: I don't feel comfortable doing this. Seems sort of like blasphemy.
4: Oh, don't be silly. Everyone does this. Let me help you. First off, you decide whether your god is male, female, or unisex.
3: Well, the Bible talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it also says that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, so he has to be man.
4: You? Okay. Next, we have to define the attributes of your God, like whether he's loving, kind, or compassionate.
3: Well, in the Bible, God is just, he's merciful, he's righteous, and he's wrathful, all at the same time.
4: Okay, then. Well, what is your God's take on sin? He
3: fully condemns it. It's pretty obvious what God thinks of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Humanity's only hope is in the blood Jesus shed on the cross.
4: Are you saying your God doesn't accept
3: gays? Don't think so. God destroyed Solomon Gomorrah with hellfire and brimstone because of it. I don't think he has a very high opinion of it.
4: Could you excuse me for one moment? Sure. Hello? Can you get me the mall security? Thank you. Sir, I would be a religious terrorist here. Yes! He's a closed minded Bible believer! Yes, I'll distract him while I wait for your men to arrive. Thank you.
1: Chris Roseborough here to talk about this month's perk for those of you who are members of the Fighting for the Faith Pirate Christian Radio crew. Have you ever been to Walt Disney World or Disneyland and taken a VIP tour of one of those parks? Well, if so, then you know just how valuable those tours can be in pointing you to things that you had never even noticed before. Well, this month's resource, Dr. Paul Kretzman's popular commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, is like a VIP walkthrough tour of the Gospel of Matthew itself. It's fascinating, in-depth, written on a lay level, and it'll help you to achieve a much deeper appreciation and understanding of this vital, vital biblical book. Now, if you would like to get a copy of this, this is only available for our crew members. So the way you join our crew is visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. Click on the one that says join our crew. You're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And once you fill that out, we will send you an email giving you instructions on how to download this wonderful book. So head on over to FightingForTheFaith.com, join our crew today, and thank you for your support. We're back. Warning, every church has a liturgy. The question is, is the liturgy really helping make you a disciple, giving you the full counsel of the word of God or not? need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us financially. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. Click on the one that says join our crew. We still need about 180-ish new crew members in order to guarantee to make our uh, our budget month after month after month and uh, yes it's kind of tough to do this during the summer months cuz people go on vacation things like that and you know giving tapers off so uh, but our bills don't so if you if you're not already a member of our crew please do uh, 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 support us that way of course if you'd like to make a one time contribution you can do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to fighting for the faith and send it to post office box 508 fishers indiana zip code 4 Six zero three eight. All right, let's continue with my conversation with Phil Lehman as we walk through uh, divine service setting one. Here we go. You yeah. know, so from this, from here, then we immediately move into the curiae.
2: Well, I'm going to stop just a second there. Okay. We actually are going to start into the service of the word. Okay. And this next section we're going to talk about um, is. Um, not only the lessons of the scripture that are there and the sermon, but these other attendant things that come around it, and we 're going to he- hear the gospel not just in the for the, the for your sins, but this is how Christ lived and taught that gives us the gospel as well, okay. and we actually start the service of the Word um, uh, with an intro or a psalm okay um, yeah. so so we have we, we reach back into. Uh, the Bible's rich hymn book, right? And and put those words out. Um, so we see it again, and we're going to use those in other parts of the service as well, right? Um,
1: but then we are on to the Kyrie. Okay. So an intro to Psalm, and those Psalms a lot of times are keyed into the, the major theme of the church, here. right? Okay. So it, it's rather, and, and it's amazing how the Psalms can do that. And during the penitential season, we have these Psalms that are very. Reflective on sins and 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 God and His mercy, it's really interesting. But okay, so let me play this now. I'm going to play for you uh, the Kyrie. Uh Kyrie, by the way, what does that mean? Um, it's actually Greek for Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. All right, here we go. Listen, listen into the Kyrie. And by the way, who's who are we listening to on this?
2: This is the children's choir from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Got it. Uh, under the leadership of Dr. Barbara Rush and Cantor Richard Rush.
1: All right, got it. All right, so. You know, and we don't have um, <clears throat> we don't have a children's choir here in Indianapolis that I'm aware of.
2: Um, I don't know if one at a Lutheran church, but there are there is a, a children's choir in the city that does some other singing and things like that.
1: Got it. Okay, so here we go.
0: Peace,
1: Okay, so that's curiae, curiae. Okay, and our response always is, Lord have mercy. Yes.
2: But did you notice how many times in this setting of the curiae we had the word peace? Yeah. Um, and then... Actually, there's two things about the curie that I, I need to talk about. Um, first of all, this is not a um, "oh, poor me, I'm how bad it is." Mm-hmm. But this this is the us standing and raising our hands and saying, "Over here, Lord, have mercy on me." It's the uh, when we think of the um, the stories of the uh, the blind man yeah. by the by the side of the way and and. Uh, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. You know, we're we're doing this. Um, Basically, this comes from a almost a secular time in uh, the Greek culture and things like that. And I mentioned a parade before. When when a conqueror would come back and have these spoils of war and things that way, the people would line the way and it would be Kyrie, Kyrie, Um, you know over here have have mercy on i share right, right. share some of those benefits with me right. um and in a sense we're saying that again in the curier in in the divine service god o- over here you know have mercy
1: send send a little bit of that my way right now i, right. I need some of this right. um now I, that blind the blind the blind man i, I there's a, there's a blind man in the, in the gospel of matthew who he hears that Jesus is coming by. He asks, "What's happening? What's the commotion?" They say that Jesus the Nazarene is coming, and the guy goes nuts and he starts screaming out, "Son of David, have mercy on me, Son of David!" Quiet, Son of David, have mercy. It just and I, when I when I sing the Kyrie, I, I always come back to this: "Son of David, have mercy on me," and Jesus literally stops, brings him, you know, has bring him here. And he's heard you, you're coming, you know? And so, you know, this, I, I, you know, and so this prayer, you know, of his Lord have mercy. That's his prayer. It's my prayer. It's really all of our prayers because when we understand Jesus and we understand God's law and how we've sinned against him and how every day we, we die these small deaths and we experience you know the the the, the short term consequences of our sin and getting old and falling apart things not going well in our life all these sufferings and travails that we go to this this calling out lord have mercy lord have mercy um it, it really has profound meaning when you when you When you track with it, you know, with your own life, this is not something that's just some rote thing that you go through and, and, you know, you just go through the words and your mind isn't engaged. But when your mind is engaged, this is is profound and deep. The setting that we use here is
2: slightly changed from how the early church did it and actually even the Roman church prior to Vatican II. At that point, it was Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison. Right. So we had that Trinitarian form again. Lord have mercy, um, Christ, Christ have, have mercy. mercy, Lord, Lord, Lord have, have mercy. mercy. Yeah. Um, partially because we don't have another word to, for the Holy Spirit to use in there, but but it was still the same thing. And in some places, they would do it three times for each part. Right. Um, so you'll find that other places, but it's still a sense of
1: God have mercy on me. Right. Exactly, a sinner. Okay, now, here in the audio here, I'm looking at, you, at the thing here. There's a, there's a hymn of praise uh, that's part of the, this uh, children's choir. Did you want me to uh, play the hymn of praise or move to the uh, the feast? Let's do both of them. Okay. All right, so at, right after the Kyrie, then there's a hymn of praise, and let's play that. This is a note beautiful, beautiful, you know, and it, one of the things I found interesting raising my children um in a confessional congregation is is that um faith in particular, because she was born um after we had you know really become lutherans joshua and christina they they were they were toddlers when we became Lutherans, but faith grew up in the in it, and what was interesting is is that these songs they get embedded deep. And I I found it very interesting, you know, when Faith was less than a year old, she's like 10, 11 months old, you'd go into her room and she would be singing this song. And it's like, what on earth? But it was amazing because she began to participate and sing these songs from before she was even walking.
2: That's that's another thing that... Hang on. that's another thing that's very important about the liturgy is that it's not only timeless throughout time and space, but it's for all generations that are gathered there at one time. Right. That, um, even though maybe a 10 month old or a two year old or or four year old may not understand the concepts that we're talking about in hymns or in the sermon or things like that, but they kind of get this glory to God in the highest business. Right. And, and things that way. And, while I'm not a parent, I have other colleagues that talk about their kids walking around the house singing this right, and, and things like that, and at times they'll say, where did that come from? Right. <laughs> but they're hearing it week in and week out. Yeah. And the other thing that I've had other pastors tell me that because this is something that gets ingrained to us very early, that when they've made um, hospital calls or uh, calls on people as they're getting up in years and- Maybe their faculties are losing that right. leaving them and things like that. They said they can still quote the liturgy. They yeah. can still quote these part of things. They start on this and that person jumps right in there with them. You know, they may not have made any other reference to them being present. They get into this and they know it.
1: Right. So this is one of those things that Alzheimer's can't steal. Right.
2: Yeah. And that's why it's important for the church to guard this as a treasure. Right. Um because if you're in a church that changes this every week, and you've got a different set of words and things like that. How are your children going to know that? How are you going to know that? Right. How is that going to, to stick with you Right. And things that Th- way?
1: There's there's actually more freedom in, in the repetition than there is in the innovation. I think there's a tyranny to innovation. and uh, And whereas this... Provides a rhythm and uh, and a sense of stability and a foundation that that you can build on and and then these things are treasures that get ingrained deep 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 and they're there for us and another one that uh, that Faith sang was the, it was the other one now so you you go from the uh, confession of sins into the introit or the, or psalm. Into the curier, and then and then into a hymn of praise, which we just sang, or you can go into the other one, which is the uh, the uh, this is the feast, right? Um, c- could we stay on the the yeah. Gloria for just a minute, sure? Um,
2: because there are two things that are happening here. First of all, I, the opening line of the Gloria, I have to say, where that comes from, uh, "Glory to God in the highest, and peace to His people on earth." That's the word of the angels to the shepherds. Yeah, that's that's, right. that's the first announcement. To people, Christ is born, and it 's peace right you know, God has entered into our world in human flesh, and God is at peace with you right, no, uh, so it begins with the angels' song um, and so so we, we get it started this is our, our reference to Christmas, so right. every Sunday that we do this here 's Christmas that 's come around. then we go through this other text, Lord God heavenly king mm-hmm. um, you know and we're we 're addressing God the Father. Um, we worship you. We give you thanks. We're, we're not saying that he's not. Immediately we're saying God is in control. Right. You know, he's the king. He's almighty. Um, we praise you for your glory. Jesus Christ, the only son of the father. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord God, lamb of God. Um, we we get back to looking ahead um, for what we're going to talk about later on. Uh, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Uh-huh. You are seated at the right hand of the father. That's his reign. Right. You know. And and it's it's a finished work. He's right. seated. Um, right. um, receive our prayer. It yeah. reminds us that you know He's the one that you know intercedes to the Father for us. Um, for you alone are the Holy One. Right. Um, you alone are the Lord. That's a strong confession that we make yep. every week in those words. Uh, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father, the Trinitarian. Right. Uh, comes, and this is language that the church has used since the 4th century, Right, um, that yeah. we've got record of from the 4th century. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some of this that may go back earlier. Um, I'm going to make just a little bit of a historical footnote right here. Um, Constantine legalizes uh, Christianity right. in, in 313. Right, um, The church didn't just begin at that point. Nope. But if you were a group of Christians that were – Um, meeting before that you didn't make a big to do about what you did right you know um, if your neighbor's out there mowing his yard you know that it's going on if he's having a barbecue you know it but if he wants to not let you know that that's going on he takes it inside and he doesn't you know crank a stereo up so loud so that's kind of what they had to do and if you're doing something that the government says is illegal you don't leave a lot of Evidence about it, right? You know, exactly. When you're done, so um, as far as written record and things like that, but we know it was going on because when the church becomes officially legal, they're already doing these
1: things and right. it's a part of their practice. Yeah, so the, all the stuff gets trotted out, right? It's like, oh, here's what we've been up to. This is what um, we. They didn't invent a liturgy in the in the fourth century. They, you know, that yeah, you know.
2: but but. It, if we also think back about the 4th century right here, how many issues of the – the 4th century is also the time of the creeds, mm-hmm. the, Apostle, or the especially the Nicene Creed uh, or the Athanasian Creed. You know, How many of these issues did we just talk about here? Right. You're the only son of God. Right. You know, not just a God right. or, or part of what's there. Or, um, also at the end, um, with the Holy Spirit and with the Father, this means that we don't have – I'm going to throw a theological term here – a modalist God. Right. Um, so each week, you know, we're giving this, and your two-year-old may be getting this put in there. And when they get into confirmation or in their teenage years or something, and somebody comes and says, "Well, maybe Jesus Christ just existed for this part right here," and you know, then then he goes back to being God, or, or or now he's the Holy Spirit, and you're going, "That that sounds strange. Where where did that come from? <laughs> that's well, not what I sing every Sunday."
1: And, <laughs> so yeah, well, then see that's a, and that's the idea lex orandi lex credendi the law of prayer is the law of belief and so here we are praying and singing these great biblical doctrines this great christology this great theology this great trinitarian theology we're singing it and in such a way that it's getting down deep into the dna of our thinking right. itself and and this is a good protection against the wolves because the wolf can't you know you're gonna to have to if if a wolf. In order for the wolf to be listened to, you're gonna to have to check all this stuff out. Yeah, and this is what you sing, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Now we may sing it to different
2: music each week, right. and Things that way, and and that's what great. These different settings text. Um, that the text can take all this other music and still stand up under that, and and
1: things like that, right? Um, and, and still be that treasure that we have. Okay, we're going to play now the uh the the other the alternate hymn. This is called This is the Feast. And uh, folks this one focuses uh, on Christ his shed blood on the cross and uh, and kind of it begins the preparation for what we're going to be doing in the Lord's Supper. It does. You know, and so uh this is this is a scriptural text as well. After yeah. we listen to it we'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, uh, Let's lay this one on you. Dad. Watch what happens here with the forgiveness of sins. Here we go. Love it, and uh, this isn't a 7-Eleven praise song sung like a mantra with some weird mysticism thing going on here. Here you've got the broad sweep of our salvation, and we're singing to Jesus as if He's God, and and we're actually singing all the things He's done for us. He's God who
2: is Victor, who is King, who is reigning. Right. He who is actually the. I think one of the key words here is worthy is Christ. Right you are worthy this is from revelation this is this is um revelation 5 that the first kind of throne room scene of heaven right. and this is the on, this is the language the ongoing what's happening right now in heaven right this, this is this is the heavenly worship
1: that's revealed for us in the book of revelation
2: right. right here in our church and it's what we get to experience right here but we can look forward to that you know one day right we're going to be there face to face with him in heaven doing the same thing with all the redeemed people all
1: over the world. And and that's the element that to to our worship that still throws me. And and it's this is that when we gather we say that we're we're worshiping with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven who laud and magnify his glorious name. Right. And so the idea here is is that there's so much of this that is the worship that is revealed in Scripture that's taking place in heaven itself. These are phrases that are lifted straight right. out of that worship. It is. So that we're now, we're not off on our own, you know, as some remote outpost or whatever of Christianity. We're, 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 participating in the collective worship that is actually taking place in the very throne room of God itself. Right. We often have a a line that we'll use in Lutheranism called
2: the already and the not yet. Yeah. That we're already part of that, but we're not there yet. Exactly. Um, But we get both of it. Another thing that I want to bring out with this, um, uh, the very last Sunday of the Epiphany season is transfiguration. Right, and if you go back to the story about that, that um, uh, Peter and James uh, and John are with Jesus up on the mountain and things like that. Right, and Moses and Elijah come up to meet him, and they they realize that Moses and Elijah are in a conversation. Yeah, and what's the conversation they're in? They're talking about the worship of God, and this the same passage in Revelation. Mm-hmm. They're talking about what Jesus has already done. Right, um, so. Not only because we see it's something that happened in the past up there, but it's ongoing in the future. Um, and there's wonderful words about you know, Christ being slain, whose blood has set us free. Right. Set us free to be people of God. Not right. Not just set us free. That it's like, okay, you're free. You can go do whatever you want now. Yeah. You're free to be God's people. Yeah, right. Um, and that kind of shows our ownership as well. And then the power, the riches, the wisdom and strength, um, honor and blessing power are His. Those are rich words from revelation that the other hymn writers have right. have worked on and we get to sing with all the people of god. Right.
1: And what's interesting here is uh, the, the words of John the Baptist come to mind. He m- Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And that's a wonderful thing about this this worship is is that Christ becomes bigger and more magnified and bigger and bigger and bigger and where it's all about him to the point where He's increasing, we're decreasing, right. and, and it puts things back into its
2: proper place. And that line that I was quoting goes on to say the hymn of all creation, that's not just human beings, right. but all created beings mm-hmm. and all the stars. Right. You know, and when we read about how the morning stars sang together at creation, yeah. things that's all there to worship God and right. to give him
1: glory. Exactly. Um, and uh, we
2: get to be part of
1: that exactly, um, and the nice thing is is that then you know, you start to get these themes that these uh, these themes of the fact that Christ shed blood on the cross redeems us and the creation that there, that we 're going to be resurrected that there 's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and that all of this is going to be set right in the you know, this now and not yet theme
2: the, the this is the feast this part of hymn praise was actually added to our liturgy um. Basically, in the 60s, 70s is where the church started looking at this. Um, it, it's not part of the old historic liturgy, even though the text is there and things right. that go back. But it was something that is important and valuable. And we've specifically added it for use at the Feast of Easter and for Easter Eastertide. Right. So as we think of that time of... Christ's victory over sin on the cross. Right, that we get to focus on that, particularly at that time of the year. Um, both of these hymns of praise are all are done in times of praise. Um, for instance, during the season of Lent, which is a penitential season, we wouldn't sing either one of these right. in our services. But when we do get to sing them around the feast, and then when this is coming up with the Lord's table, that even brings it back even more of what's done. And we get to see Jesus through all
1: of this, right? Well, the next movement then in the drama of this uh, this liturgy then is is that um, we move uh, to uh, a salutation and a collect uh, of the day, and the pastor says, "The Lord be with you," and we respond, "And also with you." And he says, "Let us pray," and then you know a a short collect for the day, or for you know for the is is either read or chanted,
2: right? And the collect is a prayer that in a sense, kind of sums up the theme of the day. Right. And there'll be, it's a structured prayer that you'll have something that will identify who God is, what he has done, Uh and then there's a request um, that that is there. And then that, in a sense, moves us
1: into the reading of God's word. Right. So now now we get into the, the ministry of the word proper. And so um there's an old testament reading and uh, after the reading uh, the person says this is the word of the lord our response is thanks be to god then there's a psalm or a gradual and then there's an epistle or a second reading and then after the epistle reading is done this he says this is the word of the lord thanks be to god and these are not just a couple of out of context verses and a lot of times if in the lectionary if you show up for you know three weeks you 'll hear an entire epistle because you know you'll right. get you 'll get like a third of uh, the book of Ephesians and then the next week you 'll get the next third and the next week you'll get a third after that so the, the, the you're hearing you 're hearing large pieces of scripture, and
2: the lectionary has been set up so that these lessons Try and fit together with each other. That you'll you'll notice an idea in the Old Testament, yeah. um, in the Epistle, um, or right now we're in the season that we get to read from the Book of Acts. Right, um, so we're reading early church history, and yeah. how did the church do things together? Um, uh, it happened to be last Sunday. Uh, even the, it was well be the last Sunday of of Eastertide before we uh, approach Pentecost, but it also uh, was transferred to Ascension and. We were talking about Christ um, leaving and uh, things that way. But it also happened in my congregation that day that there was an ordination. Yeah. And the epistle lesson for that was from Acts about receiving or being sent out. Uh-huh. And that was because, you know, I'm going to be taken away from you. That's the ascension. Right. And I'm going to send somebody that's going to do that. And you're going to have that power to go out and tell people about what I have done. Right. You know, so that's kind of the way this fits in together and things and it just so happened that we were ordaining a son of our congregation that day and those texts just fit together about, you know, I'm sending you out to
1: to go tell what I've done. Exactly. Wonderful. And and you're right though about the fact that they they've really put some thought into the different readings. So um, it, it's weird because you, you the old testament is n- is not disconnected from the new testament when you follow the lectionary the old and the new work together and so the old testament reading many times it has the type and shadow of the thing that is then fulfilled in the in the new testament text that uh is being uh, the new testament texts that are being uh, read and preached on you know in uh, you know on that sunday so it's it's you know there isn't a disconnect between old and new testament in a church where there's uh, where that follows the lectionary right. I'm going to
2: put one little parenthesis in right here to explain something. Um, What we've just talked about with the Kyrie, the the Gloria, and the Hymn of Praise, those are something that we call ordinaries. In other words, those are things that are going to happen regularly, service after service after service. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're talking about the lectionary, the collect, um, and things like that, those are things that we call propers. And that means that they can change Sunday by Sunday with what's going on. So, well, maybe everybody can't read or participate in the proper section, and we've got people that are kind of set apart to help us do that or right. because they practiced other things that way. Um, but the, the ordinary sections are something that the entire assembly
1: does together. Right. And then comes um, the 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 big thing. Okay, and the reason I say the big thing is because um, we sing the Alleluia verse, and um, it's uh, Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. We're all standing at this point, and um, and the Pastor says the Holy Gospel according to Saint whoever, and and then we respond, Glory to you, O Lord. We stand w- when the Gospel is read. We're standing up, right? You know, this is. Um, you know, this is, there's some, there's some drama going on here. You need to pay attention. This is, this is the gospel. And, and uh, it, it, you, in some churches, you know, you, you see like old vestiges that somewhere in their institutional memory. They knew that they needed to stand for the word of God, but we don't stand for all of it. We stand for the gospel itself. And the gospel then becomes the, you know, the key, the center, because this is the stuff that tells us what Christ said, taught, did for us. And so, um, and uh, and then they read the gospel. He says, "This is the gospel of the Lord." Our response is, "Praise to you, O Christ!" Then we go into uh, uh, the sermon hymn, you know, a hymn that usually is is keyed in for the major uh, the major theme uh, for the day or the gospel reading. And then and then we have that uh, that gospel text. Usually, the pastor will preach on the gospel text. Sometimes they'll preach on the epistle text or the. Old Testament or the text. Old Testament text, but that that is that's rarer, right? You know,
2: but it's still all of God's word. So if there's a part that they need to, t- um, let me back up just a second here. Okay. Um, the Gospel, the reading of the Gospel, is actually the high point yeah. of the service of the Word. I talked about ten poles, pillars, or, the two pillars. Right? Yeah, the, this is one of them, and you know, these are. There's a, a popular thing now about red letter words um, mm-hmm. for. Some, not the the Lutheran Church treats it that way, but this is the this is the Word of Christ right, so that there's a and what we have that's in our service setting right here in the Alleluia verse um the alleluia verse technically is a proper, which means it can change related to the day, okay most congregations don't do that, and so they use the one that 's here and this is a very important text from John six, and if you look at this um it's the Alleluia, which um is kind of like the osanos yeah, statement that's right. um the, which is lord save us uh-huh. um the, but then there's a question lord to whom mm-hmm. shall we go if you go back to john 6 when this is going on this is peter and yeah. and and cry all this other stuff comes
1: up and, and well, well, the, the text itself, John chapter six, I call it Jesus's great church shrinkage, um, <laughs> sermon, right? Yeah, Jesus wasn't a church growth guy and he didn't try to, you know, to, to soften his message. And so he, he says some hard things in John chapter six. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And and they're going, Whoa, what? This is a hard saying. And And after this, it says that many who were following Jesus no longer followed him. They left. And so Jesus turns to the disciples and say, are you two going to leave? And Peter speaks up and says, Lord, to whom shall shall we we go? go? You
2: have the words of eternal life. Right. And again, this is one of these nice short statements. Um, uh, We don't have it. uh, It's not on our music recording Mm -hmm. here, but it's something that probably takes maybe 15 seconds to, to sing. And, I've heard of two-year-olds that go around doing this um, uh-huh. uh, because, they, and Lord, you have the words of eternal life. That's right, um, uh, and that's important. Now, in some congregations, um, the Alleluia verse can be because the gospel is this this high point. We'll treat it with even more dignity. Um, Respect may not be the right word, reverence, but but we'll festoon it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll have a a setting of the Alleluia that might be more elaborate. Sometimes we'll move um, the pastor and the book of the gospel out into the center of the congregation. Some
1: some congregations do that. Read it
2: in the midst of the people, right? And then um, after we've had our our responses, we'll have another kind of Alleluia to move them back into right, um, right.
1: Yep. Yeah. The thing I like about this, there's a flow to this. This is this is almost like, well, to use the the food metaphor, this is like a you know four or five course meal. Right. And so we're you know we 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 begin with one course that kind of sets us up and and gets us ready for the next piece of the right. meal. And so now we got something really. This is the steak. We're chewing on some steak right. here at this point. So then we have a good Christ centered sermon. <laughs> We don't have out of context verses in order to, you know, to help you, you know, give you life tips and stuff like that. No, this is we're all we're preaching what Christ has said, what Christ has done, and all this is about Christ and what He's done for us. Okay, then after the sermon, one of the creeds, right? And this is important because this comes right after the sermon, and you stand and you recite either the Nicene Creed or Apostles' Creed, depending. And the nice thing is, is that then you can compare what your pastor said in a sermon to the creed to see if he actually taught the historic Christian faith. Right. <laughs> this is to keep your pastor honest. And if he says something that contra- is contradicted by the creed, you sit there and go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: the, as I've been talking about ordinaries and propers, mm-hmm. the creed is actually considered one of the ordinaries. Right. Um, that, that's there. And in some congregations, they'll actually sing the creed.
1: No, yeah, and uh, I've I've been in some of those uh, services where you sing the creed, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, let let me read the Nicene Creed here because I I, I this is I pre- I actually prefer the Nicene Creed over the Apostles Creed. Uh, I, I like uh, I'm not you know there's just a the difference between the Greek and the Latin way of thinking. Just
2: a little bit of church history right here. The Apostles Creed was the baptism creed. Uh-huh. This was the creed that you confessed. To enter the church, mm-hmm. and then kind of once you were there, the
1: Nicene kind of fleshes out all of the right. Yeah, the, things. the Apostles' Creed gives you the bones, and then and the Nicene Creed gives you the meat. And uh, and the wonderful thing about this creed is is that if you if you're familiar at all, reading any of the Church Fathers, I mean, the the, the earliest Church Fathers always keep referring to this thing they called the Rule of Faith. This is what this is. And so when you read the church fathers, they would use the rule of faith to contradict the heretics, to fight uh, Gnosticism. And 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 heresy and error, and they would always go back to the rule of faith. And what's interesting is, is that the, then by the time the Council of Nicaea runs around, then the rule of faith really gets hammered out into uh, into a more polished form. But this is not; these are these are not words that are foreign to the ancient church. These words were the lifeblood and yes. the and the rule of understanding the Bible from the ancient church. And so these these you know, uh, This is a sword that is meant to be taken off the mantle and wielded. That's the way I put it. It shouldn't be collecting dust on a shelf. This this is part of your... Daily life. Exactly. This is down in the DNA, and you should be praying these creeds. But let me read. I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. Notice the Trinitarian flow to this thing again you can't a mormon a jehovah's witness a muslim a jew none of these people can confess this thing correctly being of one substance with the father by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation there again you know here we got the vicarious death of, of Christ and this is a distributive by the way you can take this this phrase who for us men and for our salvation you can actually distribute it across the the other petitions the other pieces of this who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and who for us men and for our salvation was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the, of the Virgin Mary and who for us men and for our salvation was made man you can distribute this thing right. and crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate he suffered and was buried the third day he rose again according to the scriptures he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end notice the eschatological promises here you know and which by the way if you're confessing the Nicene creed you're not going to fall for rob bells you know you know universalist heresy And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and is glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy, and I'm going to say Catholic. We Lutherans get hung up on that that (laughs) phrase. But one holy and Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The ancient church knew what baptism was for, and they confessed what it was for. It wasn't the decision that you made to let the whole, you know, something you did to let your neighbors know that you have made a decision to be a follower of Christ. It says right here, one baptism for the remission of sins. That comes straight out of Acts chapter 2. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. 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 Okay, so then we uh, things begin to you know, at this point the, we're starting to set up the, for the next tent pole, here. right? Okay, the the we're set. You're, this is kind of like the intermission. We're getting ready for the next course, okay? Right. Which is going to be the ministry of the of, of the Lord's Supper, right? Okay, so we have uh, our prayers. We take an offering, right? Got you know so and uh, and we we don't get those don't worry if you attend a confessional Lutheran church you will never hear a sermon that says your money is cursed until you give the very 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 first ten percent to the church that's
2: ridiculous in fact um, in most congregations uh, the issues will just come forward and pe- plates will start moving through the aisle and nothing else will be said yeah um, yeah you, you might get asked to sign a friendship register but yeah um, or
1: fill out a, a fellowship uh, card or something you
2: know. but but there there are typically aren't pleas for money or things like that
1: right and the nice thing is is that this is a, this is a less expensive way of doing church than having the big multimedia hd with the <laughs> you know the band and the lights and the smoke machines <laughs> you know this is just common it's ordinary and it's wonderful all right and so then um we sing an offertory um now i don't have the i don't have the music on this but uh, uh after we re- after the offerings are brought then back to the pastor and and you know, and, and brought up to uh
2: the table. Right. And in some churches they'll actually at that time also bring the gifts for the service of the table. The bread and the wine will right. be brought forward that way. Uh, other churches they may already yeah. be in the front in, in the altar area. The table's uh, getting
1: set. Right. Okay. And so we sing, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will take the cup of salvation and will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. This is lifted straight out of the psalm. Psalm 116. Yeah. So we're singing God's word You know, at this point. We're not making stuff up. Yeah, we're we're singing the the very word of God here from Psalm one sixteen, and and that section of the Psalms,
2: as especially as we move into Psalm one eighteen and things like that, mm-hmm. those were part of the temple psalms that the people would actually sing as they would go up to the temple um, on a regular pilgrimage, are also for um, Passover or, mm-hmm. or things like that. So it's another way we remember all of our Christian heritage.
1: Right, Christ practiced temple worship. Right. Um things and, that way. And not only that the wonderful thing about this when by putting this psalm here as as the, our response in the offertory it points out that the the that our giving to the Lord is based and grounded in the gospel not the law. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? What he's already given me. Right. Divine service again. Right. So again, this goes back to, to Godestine's, the divine service. God is the prime mover, and our response is worship and praise. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And so, I mean, even here, our giving is grounded in God's giving. So we give because he gave. We love because he first loved us. And we do this in the
2: presence of community, right? We've been other people that are confessing the name of of Christ
1: with us, exactly. And now begins the service of the sacrament proper. The pastor gets up and he uh, and there's this is back and forth. It's a dialogue this, it's, well, actually
2: yeah. all of the divine service is a dialogue, right but this is one part that it's even
1: so yeah and and what's interesting is is that this this again takes us into that picture of the heavenly worship where you have mm. the angels calling back and forth to each other you know even in the, in the heavenly worship there's there's a holy over here and there's a holy over there, and there's a holy over here. and so there's this calling back and forth that is described by those who've Who've uh, seen it and brought back testimony in God's word, and so the uh, the pastor says, "The Lord be with you." I'll let you, and we respond, "And also with you." Uh, lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary, you know. And so, and now that comes this uh, this proper here, where this little piece, there's a little stuff that gets put in there that's different.
2: Uh, we call it a proper preface, and it will fit with whatever's happening in the day Mm -hmm. um when we're around easter or christmas there are are words Mm particular that will do uh reference that um in the season of pentecost it's a little more general Mm -hmm. um but but in everything um it always reminds us that it is good right and salutary that we give praise to god Mm -hmm. but this prayer always ends um with
1: evermore praising you and well
2: actually it's with angels and, and archangels, archangels and the whole company of heaven.
1: heaven. We laud uh, and magnify your, your name. glorious name evermore, praising, praising you and, and saying. saying.
2: Then we get to sing, sing these words.
1: Okay, now I'll play this. Here's our response to this. Now, this Sanctus, this is what this is called. It's called the Sanctus. It, it's two texts, but it reminds
2: us of, of two, th- uh, really has two events that are going on. The first one is from Isaiah 6. Okay. And this is the great worship passage in Isaiah, um, where Isaiah is actually in the tabernacle. Right. Uh, or at the temple um, worshiping. And he's he's like, who am I? How can I go? And he sees the Lord, high, uh, holy and lifted up and high. And he's undone. And, uh, <laughs> right, yes. Um, and these are words, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Right. Um, back to our peace language that we talked about right. earlier. You know, Isaiah realized when he saw that, he didn't have peace. Right. And it wasn't until he said, you know, bring that coal, touch my lips, you know, right. make me clean. You do this. Yes, and, your sins are atoned uh, for the uh, angel
1: says in that text.
2: Th- then the other part of this text moves us to palm sunday palm
1: sunday yeah um,
2: and the hosanna in the highest which means save us save us now that's back to that Kyrie kind of language you know over here you know save us help us
1: um, right um, yeah but you no know, here we've got jesus you know riding on the colt the full of you know the full of a donkey coming into jerusalem hosanna hosanna in the highest blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord this is this is palms this is two completely different pieces of worship put together it, and it, it's and it's amazing.
2: And the the songtus is something that we any time that there's the service of the table, it's always there. It, we yep. never admit it. Um, this this is a a big part. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the, the most penitential Sunday that's going on. Mm-hmm. We still um, have this. And and if you remember when we're singing this, it's with the whole company of heaven. Right. So it's it's this time that our voices get to join with theirs and when we think about in heaven it's not just the angels that are there right but it's those saints that have gone before us
1: right the one the, thing that's so wonderful about this is that we're not inventing uh, worship at this point we're taking the worship that's revealed in God's word and we're weaving it into something and we're weaving it and using it and confessing it and singing it and making that worship our own you know, it's and it's and it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious. And again, point: God is magnified, Christ is magnified, and we become smaller and smaller and smaller. And, smaller. and we
2: get to join with that song of heaven and right. worthy as Christ. this is pointing to that. You know, yeah. If you remember from you know the story Palm Sunday, this is Christ riding into Jerusalem. Right. Um. We haven't had the upper room yet. We haven't had. Uh, calvary we haven't had the resurrection right but this
1: is setting us up for that so this so here's the mini palm sunday right. passage you know so we're, we've got christmas in the in in the early part of the le- of the of the, lec- of the lectionary now we've got palm sunday now we're heading to the cross right so i mean so we got the mini drama of christ's life right there in the, in the whole service all right so then the pra- pastor gives a prayer of thanksgiving i'll read it blessed are you lord of heaven and earth for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten son into our flesh to bear our sin and to be our savior with repentant and with repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by all the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross gathered in your name and the remembrance of jesus we beg you o lord to forgive renew and strengthen us with your word and your spirit Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us to do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver us and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I mean, even that's a confession of faith and it's Trinitarian right. and it's beautiful. All right. So then we, uh, we, we usually go to the Lord's prayer at that point. Right. And so, um, uh, Lord, remember us in, in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our father, father who art in, in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy name, thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, come, thy will, will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power,
2: and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
1: So the pastor then has the table, he has got the elements, and this is what he says. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
2: And these words are all straight out of Scripture. Right.
1: straight. This is straight out of Scripture. And it's like, you know, it's amazing to me how many churches when they do communion it's like, well here's some crackers and, and grape juice come on up and get it whenever you want And it's like no no explanation no and so every time when we do communion we the, the, these are the words of you know that that, that are said and explained what's going on in, in in the Lord's Supper and so you understand this is what the bread, this is the wine, this is the body, this is the blood, this is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Mm. And then things are really getting, you know, this is the high point. Mm -hmm. This is where, this is, this is where everything comes together now. So this is like the last chapter, the big climax of, of the second tent pole that you talked about. And
2: as as we get there, I'm going to throw one other thing in right here. This was so important to Luther Mm -hmm. when he did this, that he had, these words were chanted Yeah, and he wanted the same chant, the -hmm. formula to be used for the words of institution, as what you did for the gospel. Right. So, if you were there on those two tent poles, you would have seen these two
1: things, with a with an equal element. Right. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So, and that's that's the Pax Domini, the peace of the Lord. So here we got the peace theme again, and then the Agnus Dei. Right. Um, the Agnus
2: Day is the first distribution hymn. Okay, This is the words of John the Baptist when he sees Christ coming to him for baptism. Mm-hmm. So we get two things in here. We get baptism. Right. We get life of Christ. And then the most important message of this, um, you t- Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Now, and that's Calvary.
1: And so and then here we've got the, uh, the Agnus Day. Let me, pray. Let me uh, play this. No, <laughs>
2: Theme again, Uh, there
1: is, and you know what's funny? This hymn, this just the the Agnes Day, is like the hymn I look forward to every single Sunday. I mean, out of any of them, this is the one that it's like ah, because now here I've seen I've I've you've got the taste in your mouth for what you're about to receive. And, in, and it's that, that prayer, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is straight out of Scripture, too. And,
2: and did you notice how many times we repeat these phrases in here? I would say three. It's three, yes. yes.
1: How, how did I know that? I was <laughs> so smart. Not really.
2: <laughs> but, but and, and you notice, it, even though it's, it's repetitive in what's going on here, right. have
1: mercy on us, have mercy on us, right. grant us, us peace. peace. right. And that's really what we want, you know and that's what we need, because our sin we we've sinned and rebelled against God and and his word and his and in and, and what he's commanded us to do. and here we know that that there's that those hostilities that exist you know that by nature man is sinful and, and at war with God. and here the the table is set before us. And it, it, what does the scripture say? He sets a table, you know, in the presence of my enemies. enemies from Psalm 23. Right. And so here God has set a table, you know, for us to a peace table. And he's done it in the presence of his enemies. That would be us. Uh, right. And we've, we've come there and, and been pardoned and forgiven. And it all because of what he's done is this unilateral uh, peace that he's declared. And we have to hear
2: it. We have yeah. to hear that God is at peace with us. If we don't hear it, we're not assured of that, right? This this is confidence. This is what that faith that believes, right? You know, I believe that God, you have forgiven me, right? And things like that. if if somebody just says, "God's forgiven you," um, right? Go go out there. It's
1: done. You don't need to hear this anymore. Yeah. See, uh, this isn't the gospel in abstract. This is the gospel, it you know, concrete and it's real and you can taste it and you can smell it and you can see it and you can touch it. Cause your flesh, that old Adam is going to
2: come in and say, "I can do this. Right. You don't need this. Right. You know, you're okay." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's like, no, no,
1: <laughs> yeah. And this, and this is another tool that we, you know, this is another weapon we can use against the devil. The Devil comes, "Do you really think you can be forgiven for that?" I'm all, "Well, I, I." He just said, "Take, eat. This is the body of Christ, broken for you for the forgiveness of sins." And I did it, and yeah, I guess I was forgiven.
2: You know, it's not like, well, there's a chart on one side, and if 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 you're on one to twenty five, I'll forgive those. But you know, if you hit twenty six right. to thirty, you know, right. yeah, I'm sorry, you just can't.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we hear the gospel in our ears. We we see the gospel with our eyes. We taste, taste the gospel with our with our mouth. And so it's it's it, it's the gospel is ringing throughout this whole service. It's all about what Christ has done for us, poor miserable sinners. And over and over again, we hear, we hear, we hear, we see, we taste, we touch the gospel and and Christ and his shed blood for us. And it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us and grant us peace. And that's what he gives us. So we, we, we can leave church knowing that we have peace with God. All right, so then we have the distribution. Everybody comes up, and they kneel down, and they receive the, the, the Lord's Supper. And the pastor, um, you know, while well, well, each individual person on their knees receives, he says, Take, eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for your sins. Take, drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. It's not just—it's not a mere remembrance, although remembrance is part of the words of, of institution there. But it's—it all—it comes back down for you, individual sinner, receiving from God His gifts for the forgiveness of your sins. Mm. Anyway, so and then after after every all the all the the meal has been distributed, we uh, we uh, sing a. a, a a post-communion canticle. You Actually, me? but just before we do that, okay. the pastor
2: greets us one more
1: time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and
2: this is important. He says, "The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, strengthen and, and preserve, preserve you, you. Um, and holy and, and body, and, body and, and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace." Right.
1: Yep. Amen. And our response is that Amen. And and then we go to the post-communion canticle. Um, we have two choices that are here. Okay. Um,
2: Let's. I, I'm going to skip one, and let's go to this to the Song of Simeon. Uh, the the Nunc Dimittis. Um, and if you remember back from, uh, the Gospels, actually the Christmas story,
1: a, a Gospel of Luke, isn't it? Right. 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 Um, when Jesus is taken into the after he's born, eight days they take him to the mm-hmm. temple to be circumcised. Right. And there's two people there who who meet our the our infant Lord Jesus, and that's uh, uh, is it Anna. Yep. And uh, who's, who literally spends all of her days in the temple. And Simeon, whom God had promised that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord. And these are the
2: words that... Um, uh, yeah, these are his words. words. Um, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory to your people Israel. And then we had this uh, Trinitarian doxology that uh-huh. we add to it. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
1: Amen. Wonderful words. And uh, that, that, it, again, we're, our, our, what makes up our worship is the very Word of God. His, all, all these little pieces of worship found in the Scriptures are then rolled up into this fantastic... Divine service.
2: And like we had the words from Luke in the Gloria, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. It's here. The church, early church mm-hmm. sang these words. I mean, we know they're written down in the fourth century because we've got it in, in books from their, their writings. But if Luke had this written down, they were
1: doing it in Luke's time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. They were doing it. And then uh, the pastor we have one more, like a uh, post-communion collect or prayer, and the and I'll, I'll read one of them. He says, "Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever." Amen. Amen. And then the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. peace. There it is again. Peace. Amen. And that's straight out of Numbers. Right. You know, that's that great high priestly prayer. You now there are from uh, the book of Numbers. And then we say, Amen. And the meal is done. The service is done. And we leave refreshed having received from God his gifts of his word and his body and his blood, all for the forgiveness of our sins. And over and again, we have heard that because of what Christ has done, we are at peace with God. God.
2: And he has been serving us this whole time. Right. This is not something we've been doing for him. Right. He's been doing it for us. Right. And it gives us the privilege to
1: respond back to it, him. Exactly. And it, it's, it's all scripture. It's, it all focuses on Christ. He increases, we decrease, and we receive his gifts from him. And our faith is strengthened. Our understanding of the Word of God is increased, and we grow as, as disciples. And we've confessed the broad sweep of all of what Christian doctrine is. And we're well on our way, Sunday after Sunday, in, in this to hearing in the course of a year the full counsel of the Word of God. I find it hard to believe that you can improve on this. At least I, in my experience, I haven't found anything that even remotely comes close to rivaling it. In its Christ-centeredness, in its in its focus on what God has done for us, in God distributing His gifts, and in and instructing a Christian disciple... In the full counsel of the Word of God, I have yet to see anything that can be improved upon in this. And the seeker-driven methodologies and the non-liturgical churches, I mean, they don't even come close. And we haven't even touched upon the fact that during the hymns, right. our hymns are just packed but, uh, with, uh, with
2: Christ-centered theology. And most most services will have at least three hymns we'll often, and will sing during the distribution. So that's four Um, There may be other attendant music that happens Um, Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to a prelude and a postlude or instrumental music that will often be uh, catechetical designed to teach us and reinforce this theme of the day. Right. Um, That's also um, – I'm going to back up on one thing right here just what you were talking about. Earlier we talked about the the hymn of praise that this is the feast. Yeah. Um, The divine service is a feast. Right. And it's – when you've been there and been able to banquet at that table, and I'm using that word in the fullness that's there, when you can sit down with that multi-course meal and things that way, and you've tasted those riches. And speaking from personal experience here, when you get out to other places and that banquet table isn't available, yeah, and you're like those children of Israel that are sitting there by the, the banks of the river Earth of Babylon, and it's like – Oh, could we just eat that again? Could yeah. we have a few of those crumbs? <laughs> right, you leave hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, once you've been at that table right. and you've tasted those riches, you can't go elsewhere. Right, um, exactly. Uh, you, you long for it again. And we know that this feast as that... Canical also says is a foretaste of the feast to come. Yep. It isn't gonna be what we're experiencing now isn't anything like what we're going to experience in heaven. When we're at that wedding feast of the lamb, you know, we're all seated there together. Right. And we're telling him in person, face to face, you know, you are worthy.
1: Yes. Yes, we get to declare to him, worthy is the lamb who was slain. <laughs> it's amazing. And the, and here's a wonderful thing about this liturgy. There's no room for somebody to say, you know what, Pastor? The Lord laid on my heart that I need to sing uh, uh, the latest song, uh, you know, from the the lady who won American Idol, and sing Jesus Take the Wheel during the church service.
3: <laughs> it doesn't fit.
1: All of that stuff doesn't fit because th- this isn't a performance on our part. We're not. Causing the Holy Spirit to come down because we've offered a sacrifice of praise. No, we show up at the Lord's table. He's the host. He's the one who's serving us. And he's the one giving himself as the meal. And it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's Christ-centered. And it's all to declare so that we can over and again hear that because of what Christ has done for us, we now have peace and pardon with God. Yes, you know, and i i i I need this Sunday after Sunday after sunday i when i when my kids were young, I mean the, we we had tons of children's stories, but I remember you know both Christina and faith you know the, you know when they were like two and three, you know it's 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 almost time for bed and it's story time, <laughs> and they pop up on your lap and they give you the book that they want you to read, and you would read it. And at the end, they would say, again, again, I want to hear it again. And this is the same thing. It's like a kid's story. I want to hear this again. I want to see it again. I want to taste it again. I want to go through all of this again. Tell me about that part again where I now have peace with God. Because every day from Monday to Sunday, my life is complicated and I sin against God in thought, word, and deed. And and it's easy to imagine the wrath of God, but I show up to church and that's not what I hear. I hear peace. I hear forgiveness. I hear and taste and see and smell pardon. And it's a completely different thing. I'm not trying to perform for God like some trained monkey. Instead, he's there to serve and tend me. He's my shepherd, and he's caring for me his sheep who he bled and died for. And because he has done that for us,
2: and because I have this peace, I can therefore go out and serve my neighbor. Right. I can forgive my neighbor for what he has done and things that way. I can, can share
1: Christ with him. Right. Through what I'm doing. And I can love and serve my neighbor with no strings attached because I'm I there's nothing else that I need to add on to my salvation. I I can't I can't perfect on perfection. Jesus has done it all for me. I'm covered in his righteousness. So I'm not doing good works because I'm trying to earn brownie points with God so that I can somehow be saved or hear from him. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm already going to hear that so I can go and love and serve my neighbor. With no strings attached whatsoever. Purely out of the grace and... It's it's an overflow of the grace and mercy of Christ and what he's done for me. How could I not love and serve my neighbor in return? Right. You know? So, you know, this, this is... Uh, yeah, again, you know, I asked the question to kind of frame the. Let's you know put a, a button on our conversation. I asked the question at the beginning. This is an apologetics program that I do. How is it that this forwards the defense and fighting for the faith? The answer is is that this is where the faith is proclaimed, and dear Christian, it matters. Where you go to church, what you pray is ultimately what you end up believing. What's happening in your church, the songs that you sing, the flow of everything. There is a structure in your church, but the question is, is the structure in your church pointing you to Christ? Is the structure in your church pointing you to Christ and all of the things that he's done? Is he the one serving you at, at church, or are you somehow trying to... Make yourself worthy through the things that you do, you know, and God is basically standing up on his throne as a spectator, waiting for you to jump through all the right hoops so, so that He can somehow bless you. It really does matter, it really does matter, and one one form of of worship really serves the gospel well, and the other one actually does the gospel a disservice, and it really ultimately does matter How you pray that's right. how you believe. How you pray, lexorendi, lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief. Phil. Uh, Cantor Lehman, thanks for uh, for coming into the studio and having this conversation. And I need to thank the Children's
2: Choir from uh, St. Paul's in Fort Wayne for allowing us to use their uh, recording that we heard of the Divine Service. Um, they actually have three recordings out, um, so you can go to their church website, uh, find that. Uh, I know they're also available through CPH. Um, they, I'll, I'll put a different plug in for them right there. They actually use their Children's Choir to record the hymns and the liturgy uh, so that people could learn them uh, in their cars um, as they're going around things that way. So that might be a way, if you want to dig into this a little farther, you can uh, find out those resources from them and uh, dig into the hymns and liturgy of the Lutheran faith a little more. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: All right. So there you have it. What would you think? You know, I'd love to get your feedback. Um, You'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition of Fighting for the Faith or any previous editions, you can do so at my email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Christian. You can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Until t- tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.